Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here, exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the very genuine and passionate Amanda Gabato. Amanda and I met a few years ago at a women's networking event, and I was immediately struck by her warmth and authenticity. Amanda is a mom and multipreneur. Known as Digital Girl, she's on a mission to serve heart-led business owners with coaching and digital support so they can rock their online presence and reach their audience confidently, all while creating a movement for positive change in the world together. I'm thrilled to have her here today to share her story and the wisdom she's gained along the way. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You and I have something in common. We actually have lots in common, I think, but we Mm -hmm. both shared a dream once upon a time as young women of becoming moms, except you wanted eight kids and that was not in the cards (laughs) for me, but that's okay. So tell me what happened once that dream became a reality? Was it all you had envisioned for yourself and your family? Oh, wow. I love that question. And thank you for that lovely introduction. So (laughs) I'm laughing at the eight kid thing because I have two. (laughs) That's where we ended up. And that decision happened pretty much after I had my first. (laughs) The eight kids piece came because I love babies. I love kids. And I just envisioned being a a stay at home mom with a house full of, you know, excitement and children and all the things, but real life and (laughs) whatnot can take over. But I have have a daughter. She was my firstborn and a son, my secondborn. And after he was born, I felt so fulfilled. And two was definitely enough for us for a whole slew of reasons, physically for me, financially, all the things. I love being a mom. And I find it interesting because when we dream when we're younger, we have grandiose plans without, you know, the reality of life holding us back. And one of the lessons I've learned as a mom And just as a woman in general is that it's great and so powerful to dream, but to be open to the fact that life has other plans sometimes, and sometimes we can get curveballs and that's okay because all of those things happen for us. Yeah. I love the notion that the universe is working for us. Absolutely. That is a message that I write down often, remind myself of every single day that life is happening for me, not to me. Yeah. So once you were in the mommyhood trenches with your two, with your two babes, I know that when we had talked earlier, you said there was a point where you felt like you lost yourself in motherhood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all feel that way at some point when it's just an intense time of mothering young children. So can you tell me about your experience when you had that feeling and sort of what came of that? Yeah, absolutely. So if I may, I want to back step a little bit just to catch everybody up to speed what I was doing pre-motherhood. Of course. Um, I was a kindergarten teacher and a music teacher and very, very passionate. And I believe good at what I did. Great at what I did. Teaching was my world and my classroom and my children were everything to me. And I had this vision and dream of being a stay-at-home mom. So how those two things were going to mix, I hadn't really figured that part out yet. I just kind of was living presently in the moment, which is actually a great place and space to be in my opinion. But it sure is. I had my daughter and I had a very difficult delivery and found myself basically in bed for 
quite a long period of time after having her. And so I didn't get right out of the gate that experience that I had dreamed and hoped for, bringing a newborn baby home and being a new mom and going to mom and baby classes and all of those things. And so I hadn't left my teaching career at that point. I was on mat leave, but even during that mat leave time of that first year, I had these thoughts going through my head of, well... I love being a mom and I love being with my daughter and I love the fact that I'm home to prepare the meals and clean the home and take care of the family and all the things. But there was a piece of me and I couldn't put my finger on it at first that was missing. And motherhood fully swallowed me whole in a good way. But then in retrospect, I did myself a little bit of a disservice. My identity became first and foremost, being a mom, which is important when you have a newborn baby. However, if I look back, I also believe that it's important that we stay true to ourselves and remind ourselves that we are individual human beings as well that have needs and all of those things. Reflecting back, there is that loss of ourselves when we commit so fully to doing this one thing and then years pass and then we're like, oh, wait, I'm an actual person. I have these desires. And I think that happens a lot with women as our kids get older is that we all of a sudden start to be able to reflect. We sort of come up for air, right? Yes. So this is actually a good thing for moms to be or moms with young kids to hear. Have that awareness around you can still have your own identity and your own things while you're being mom. So we can bring up that guilt word, because I think that's the key player here for me anyways. And if we look back and gave advice to new moms or moms to be about making sure that you do things for yourself and take time for yourself. I remember now looking back, getting those twinges of, oh, I wish I could do that. Or, oh, I really would like to just go grocery shopping by myself, right? Like these little (laughs) thoughts, but it was like, nope, I'm steering myself back to my main mission and purpose, which is to be an amazing, excellent mother. Yeah. (laughs) And the thing is, is those things, when you first become a mom, you don't have a choice, right? You're in the moment and you're having to navigate so many new things. But to your point, as time goes, time can then continue on without you consciously realizing it. And I think that it's important in retrospect, if I were talking to a brand new mom or a mom-to-be, I would encourage her to make a list of the things that light her up, to give herself a space to go back to of things and ideas that she could do or might feel inspired to do and give herself permission to do. We don't need to leave those things behind They may look different for a period of time as our children or babies are so needy and they really do need us 24-7, but there's also ways of fitting some of those things in. So when I got that niggle, you know, inside where I'd look at some other brand new moms and dare I say I was even a bit jealous that they didn't have the same type of guilt and that they would go out for a dinner or grocery shopping by themselves or whatever the example may be. And there was something in me that was stopping me from being able to do that for myself. Had I known where I would have ended up from that, I would have stood up for myself, like against myself, not anybody else, and put the importance and the priority on doing those things for myself. So where do you think that came from, the guilt? I mean, because I know it well. I love that you said to give yourself permission, and that's so important. But why didn't we, right? Why didn't you give yourself that permission way back when in early motherhood? Where do you think that guilt came from? 
when you become a mom, life changes and it never goes back to the way it was before. And in those first few months, it's intense. And we almost go into, and I, I've said this during COVID times too, and I don't mean it in a necessarily negative way, although it's a negative word, crisis. We go into crisis mode. And the thing is when we get into that and we stay there and we don't remind ourselves how to kind of pull out of it or continue through as things evolve and change, then we stay in that state, even though life has evolved and changed. And the guilt comes from wanting to put ourselves first, but the identity that we've given ourselves, and this is just my perspective of how I see it, but the identity that we've given ourselves of being a mom, and that's our number one job. And if that's our number one priority and our number one job, then how could we possibly put ourselves first? Even though we know, you know, in the airplane, you're taught to put the oxygen mask on yourself first because you can't help your children or your family if you're not taking care of yourself. We know that, but it's more than just knowing. It's about believing that you're worthy, that you're worthy of that time to yourself that you're worthy of chasing your dreams, of doing things that light you up outside of your family. And it doesn't mean that you're any less of a mom and it doesn't mean that you're any less of a committed mom, right? Yeah. It means you're filling your own bucket. I believe that our bucket needs to be filled and overflowing in order to give. Well, the only way we can fill up our bucket is to do things for ourselves, purely for ourselves. Yeah, so. that's so true. I wonder... Part of that guilt, and we had talked about this a little before we pressed record, is when you're a stay-at-home mom, we were both stay-at-home moms for a long time, right? So I think part of that guilt, and correct me if I'm wrong, comes from the value that society does or actually does not really, for being honest, put on the unpaid care work that stay-at-home moms in particular do, and women do so much in general, right? In my experience anyway, and I'd love to hear yours, is because that value isn't there by society standards, we go above and beyond to prove that we are mom of the year every single day, to prove that we are worthy of whatever. I don't know. Tell me your take yeah. on that. I'm right on board there with you for sure. And I'm laughing because, you know, I was that mom, like I was making fun butterflies out of all the vegetables and like, <laughs> probably because I'm creative and I just, I do love that. And that gave me joy. But then you hold yourself to that standard and you have to keep performing and keep doing it, even if it doesn't bring you joy. And that's where the issue is. Society, it's interesting. So I left my teaching career in between having my two kids and while I say it was the hardest decision of my life, if I'm honest, it wasn't because my dream was to stay home and to not have to go to work, to care for my family, to be available for them. And 99% of my friends and my father thought I was absolutely nuts, like they didn't understand. And well, well, what are you going to do after that? When are you going to go back to work? Well, what are you going to do if you're leaving teaching? What do you, I'm like, I don't have a plan B. I am here to enjoy the present moment and live that life right now. And I'll figure out the rest as it comes. I had a lot of self-worth things come up during those first few years because I saw all of my friends go back to work and shift what their lives looked like. I was going to say shift their priorities, but I don't believe that's what they did. They just changed how they lived their life. And my husband and I chose to make certain decisions 
Some people would say it's sacrifices, but for me, it truly was decisions that by having one income, in order for me to stay at home, we would have to stay in the house that we were living in. We wouldn't be able to go on the fancy vacations that many other people do. And I blamed myself for that, even though this was me following my dream. How crazy is that, right? And all because of what most people do or what most people put value on. And my biggest lesson out of all of that, again, now in retrospect, really is that you do you. It follows me everywhere I go in life and personal life and business. And that is my mantra. And, you know, I did it. I did you do you. And I had some huge growth moments throughout that journey and some real big ahas and hit a few brick walls along the way. But that's what I was meant to do. And I'm proud of myself, if I dare say, that I was able to follow the dream and put aside all of the chatter from the people that thought I was crazy. And I'm so glad I did because those early years, you can't get back and they fly by so fast. So I'm glad I did it, but it was hard for sure. I felt like I was going against the grain, but if I'm to be honest, I've always felt like I'm somebody who goes against the grain. I don't fit in a box or a container. So here's another example. Amanda, like I said in the beginning, we have a lot in common. That is another thing we have in common right there. I'm going to add that to the list. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I know when I was, you know, when my kids were little, I had a really good support system, like a community of other stay-at-home moms, and that did dwindle over the years. But I think that was important. Did you have a support system like that in place where you could feel like you were part of a community that was doing sort of the same stuff you? Yeah. Eventually, like once I healed, which again, it took an abnormal amount of time, but I was able to go out and I did have a circle of friends and we met regularly and it was awesome. And so amazing to have that supportive community of people, you know, they were living it with you. We got each other. Right. And it was interesting because the group that we had, we met at a class and some of us had a couple of things in common, but as a whole group, like we all came from very different angles, lifestyles, et cetera. And yet we had one thing in common, which was we were brand new moms together. And if it weren't for them, wow, I honestly don't know. Exactly. When we moved to Canada, so I grew up in the United States, we moved to Canada when my twins were one. So I was on a mission. It was my job to find that community, right? Not only as a new mom, but just as residents of a new country. And that that is key in surviving and thriving through early motherhood and and life really in general, (laughs) right? Always. Absolutely. You were a stay-at-home mom for a long time. So you were on duty, (laughs) so to speak, (laughs) for your kids, right? So now that you've moved into a role where you are not solely on duty for them all the time, how have they reacted to having other things pulling at mom? How have your kids handled that transition? I... Again, I alluded to this earlier, but I'll be more specific in that I didn't leave my family or my kids like ever for the first, I don't even know how many years it was, but I'm ashamed almost to admit it. And I will never, ever forget the first time that I left the family. At the time I was in direct sales and received an incentive to go away for the weekend with the team. We went to the Scandinavian spa and like had an amazing experience, but it was also professional development involved in there as well. And I remember feeling so stinking guilty and I cried 
almost the entire weekend, but yet I was having the time of my life. And so it was, again, guilt comes up again, right? Because I'm like, I'm loving this. This is so amazing. But oh my gosh, I feel so guilty. And are the kids okay? And is my husband okay? What's happening? And that was a turning point for me because when I came home and realized they were fine and sure, did they miss me? Yes. And did I miss them? Yes. But they survived. And it was the best decision that I could have made to go on that weekend and to push myself through my comfort zone and just do it. And I, again, talk about supportive community. I wouldn't have been able to make that choice and decision for myself if it weren't for the people that were encouraging me on the other side to come on, Amanda, it's going to be okay. You can do this. To this day, and my daughter's now 16, to this day, there are still, I'll call them issues, and I'm saying it with quotes, with the fact that I work from home and I don't always prioritize certain things because boundaries are a hard thing to draw when you work from home. You know, it's, well, you're at home. Why can't you drive me to my friend's house right now? Like, what what do you mean? And again, that thinking mom guilt comes up. I'm, I'm smart. And I know in my head, it's okay that I have this priority of work right now in this moment and I have a deadline or whatever it is I'm working on and it's okay that I say no not right now I can't do it and yet I still get this pang however the pang is lighter and it doesn't stay as long so now I can just go okay I feel it now go away and I throw it out the window like it's it's out of there because I know that I'm a good mom and I know that I put a priority on my family and yeah I work hard and I love what I do and it fills me up and fills my bucket and overflows me so that I can be there for my family. So the kids, you asked how the kids react. We've had conversations. There have been times where they've expressed how they feel that mom works a lot. I'm in front of my computer an awful lot. And I'd like to think that when I explain to them, they understand. And when I say to them, there's a lot of freedom and flexibility that happens with what I do, but I still have to have certain boundaries. And so it's a work in progress. It's always going to be there because kids push, push that boundary and come up against it as much as you'll let them. (laughs) That is so true. And I love that you said boundaries, because I think it's important for the kids to learn that mom is setting her boundaries and be a role model for them to set their own boundaries for themselves. It's hard for them to have a grasp on that as younger people, but Mm -hmm. it's certainly something that when we model that for them, we can start that conversation about here's what boundaries might look like as a 15 or 16 year old. And then here's how that kind of can change. And here's why it's so important to have those in your life. Absolutely. And it all stems back to that you do you mantra, right? So if I go all the way back to the choice of being a stay at home mom and and getting pushback, it was about standing in my own ground and saying, nope, this is me. This is the decision I'm making. These are my quote unquote boundaries, if you will. And it's interesting because somebody put out a video a couple of weeks ago about boundaries and how it's not so much about the boundaries you're putting place as it is the self-worth and the confidence that you have that moves out and holds you strong in your place. But I do believe that boundaries are still very important because it helps to establish for the other people where those boundaries are. And it's important that it starts from within us so that we can stand strong in whatever boundaries we do want to or need to create. 
Absolutely. And I want to go back. You've said it a few times, but I really want to make sure to drive this home. And that is your mantra, your life lesson that you want to put out there is you do you. And I absolutely love that because, you know, we've talked a lot about stay at home moms, but I also want to give a shout out to the working moms, to all the moms who define motherhood, how they feel is best for them, because there is a lot of judgment and a lot of guilt that we put on ourselves, that society puts on us, that family or friends or whatever put on us. But at the end of the day, we need to be confident in our own choices and to empower each other and to lift each other up without judgment, especially as moms and women to just give each other that that like fist bump, that high five and be like, you're doing a great job. However you're choosing to do it is amazing. Keep doing you. There can be that sort of competition sometimes between stay-at-home moms and working moms. And it's like, let's throw that in the trash, right? Like let's just support and empower each other, right? Competition, judgment, And then the opposite effect, which is perhaps some of us feel guilt when we look at the other side of the choices that they're making. It's about staying in your own lane. You do you means you know what's best for you. You know what lights you up. You know your needs, your wants, your goals, your dreams, your desires. In a way, staying in your own lane is about putting on your blinders and moving forward the way that you know is best for you. And in that process, you're going to meet people, all kinds of people who have all kinds of different different lanes, if you will. And it's not our job to judge those. You know, listen, corporate life is for some people and it's not for others, right? Some people are cut out for the corporate world and they love it and they eat it up and they jump out of bed and can't wait to go to work for the day. And some people are more entrepreneurs and they want to do their own thing. And the corporate world is like absolutely not for them, but it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It just means that one lifestyle or one choice is better for the people that are choosing to do it. And same with mothers, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're choosing to go back to work, there is no judgment. And, you know, some mothers go back to work because they have to financially or they'll lose their position at their job or whatever the reason is. And some people go back because they want to and either choice is okay. And some people choose not to, and that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me how you discovered what now lights you up and how you move from one world to both. Do you have a couple of hours? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, the short version is when I was a stay-at-home mom with my daughter, there was a piece of me that wasn't being fulfilled. And, you know, your kid goes down for a nap and I didn't want to clean the house or cook. And it was like, well, what am I going to do? And so I uh, found myself online because that's just where I have always gravitated towards. And so I ended up starting a blog. And this is 16 years ago when social media didn't exist. People didn't know what blogs were. So if you were my friend, you'd say, hey, Brenda, what are you up to? Oh, I started a blog. You're doing what? Like they had no earthly idea what that meant, right? So I started a blog and it started as a hobby. And the long story short is that hobby turned into a job. And I was able to connect and work with many small business owners, entrepreneurs, as well as big corporations. So like all kinds of amazing opportunities came my way. And I I tapped into the personal growth and it basically lit a fire under me and all kinds of things started happening. And I was at a networking event. I set up coffee dates with a couple of other ladies. And within a span of a week, two people called me digital girl. You're such a digital girl. And I went, oh my gosh, yes, I am. And that's when I secured my social media handles and my domain name and all the things. 
And Digital Girl has taken some shifts along the winding road. And I've started a heart-ledpreneur membership community as well for other heart-centered small business owners. So that's my new exciting piece. Wow. I love that. I was just going to ask you what's next for you and what excites you about the future, but I don't know. Is there, (laughs) that's a lot of great stuff. Is there anything else that you want to share? It's really about continuing to serve for me. I love to help. I love to serve. That is my purpose on this planet. And so that I'm sure will morph and change as I go slightly, but certainly I have found my space in the heart-centered, heart-led community. And it's about growing that. And my passion within that is to empower other heart-led entrepreneurs to truly have the confidence to step into who they are meant to be on this planet. And to, like we've had in this conversation, you know, to stay in your lane, to not worry about what other people are doing. There's no such thing as competition. We're all here for our own unique purpose. And so it's just about spreading that message and creating new opportunities to invite people to come in and step into their greatness. Oh my gosh, chills. (laughs) Oh, that was so beautifully put. Thank you for that. So are you ready for the final five? Oh my gosh. I don't know. Am I? (laughs) (laughs) So these are the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the first one is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? My one superpower would be that I would have a magic wand that of course would have glitter coming out of it when I waved it. That would literally, as I wave it over people, would let them tap into their inner strength and be able to believe in themselves. When you tap into your own inner confidence, it's like a natural drug. So true. When you were a kid, what did you think you'd be when you grew up? Well, that's an easy one. Teacher, teacher, teacher. (laughs) I would line up all my stuffed animals and my dolls. We had a chalkboard on the wall in the basement and I would teach all the time. Any topic, you throw a topic at me, I would teach it. And I became a swimming teacher and I became a piano teacher and I became a kindergarten teacher and a music teacher. And now I'm teaching small business owners. (laughs) That's so great. I love it. If it were your last day on earth, what would your final meal be? You gave me this question beforehand. Thank goodness. And I had to sit and really percolate on this one. I'm like, I don't know. And then I went, oh, I do know. My mom's macaroni and cheese. Honest to goodness, she makes the best. And it's no like secret recipe. I've made it, but it never tastes as good as when my mom makes it. And then dessert would have to be something to do with mint chocolate because I love mint chocolate. And coffee is like my obsession. So it would have to be topped off with a coffee. It's so funny what you say about mint chocolate, because I know that about you. And I am also a huge mint chocolate fan. So like whenever I'm doing my little custom blend of my vanilla ice cream with my peppermint extract and then throwing in my chocolate chips, I always think of Amanda. (laughs) I love it. Yummy. Who is a woman in history or present day you admire? I have two people that I'm going to share. The first one is Rosa Parks. has inspired so many of us on so many different levels for so many reasons. And I remember being a kindergarten teacher and I found a book and it was a small business owner who wrote this book of women empowering women and women stepping into roles that are non-traditional roles for women. And Rosa Parks was in that book. And that was one of my favorite books to read to my students. And Rosa Parks set the stage for us. And oh, I could go on and on. So I'm going to leave it there. Rosa Parks, like enough said, right? The other woman is my Norwex leader, Mandy Coolson. I could listen to her 
her all day. And what I love about her is that she leads by example in the sense of owning herself the way she is. If she doesn't know something, she tells you she doesn't know something. She is walking the journey with you. And I admire her so much for what she has been able to accomplish and how she is able to navigate through life. What is your favorite quote? Well, aside from you do you, which is my mantra, my favorite quote is from Cinderella and it's where there is kindness, there is goodness and where there is goodness, there is magic. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you.